Well, hey, friends, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. This is episode 198 with me, Ty Evans, and I appreciate you being here, you guys. I really do. Um, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoy this episode. I, I kind of dive into making the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult, and I talk about your mule leadership. I talk about utilizing free agency to achieve these things, and this is pretty important stuff. You can take this lesson and apply it to pretty much everything you want to do with your mule, your horse, your donkey, whatever. You can use this. Works on kids too, <laughs> so give it a try. Um, before we kick this episode off, I want to say a huge thanks to all the sponsors that make this podcast free for you. And those include Diamond W Enterprises and, you know, that's my buddy Kevin Wright. Breeding season is right around the corner. It's coming up just here in a, in a month or two. So if you got a mare and you're looking for a really good jack, um, you got to check out Diamond W Enterprises. You can find them on Facebook. Look them up, Diamond W Enterprises out of Fountain Green, Utah. Also, uh, big shout out to Boyd Ranch Mule Days, which is coming up three weeks from this recording date. Cannot wait. I can't wait for Boyd Ranch Mule Days. Uh, there's still time. You can still join us. Come, come down there, camp, ride with us, come to the clinics, come to the dinners, come to the concerts, all that. It's a fantastic time, a great family experience. Also, big shout out to my two favorite mule magazines. We got Western Mule Magazine, Ben and Anita Tennyson. Uh, I write for them, fantastic magazine. And of course, Mules and More Magazine with Corey Daniels. She does an excellent job with that magazine as well. Uh, gotta thank Roman Home Tents. If you're looking for a good tent, if you like, if you're like me, you like to camp, fish, pack, you gotta get a Roman Home Tent. Look them up. And last but not least, if you're looking for a dang good saddle, check out Colt Saddlery. You can find him on Facebook. He builds some of the best gear, best saddles around. Check them out. With that, let's get going. So I want to talk about this principle of making the right thing easy and the wrong thing difficult. If you've been to one of my clinics, you've heard me talk about this. Um, if you've been to pretty much any clinic uh, in the Western world um, for the past 30 years, you've probably heard this. Ray Hunt brought it to light. Uh, Tom Dorrance taught this. Uh, my mentors. Martin Black, Buck Branneman, uh, my dad, many people um, talk about this. Make the right thing easy, wrong thing difficult. I call this the granddaddy of them all, principles. What I mean by that is if, if you just apply this principle to what you do with your mules and your horses, you're going to be fine. If you don't apply at least this principle then there's probably always going to be some contention. In our work, we want to avoid contention at all costs. We don't want contention. Contention kills connection. Okay. That doesn't mean that we don't get into situations where we amplify the anxiety in the animal. We don't avoid problems. We don't avoid the brace and working through this. It's just, we're trying to look at it from a different perspective of how can we make it as easy as possible for the animal 
to choose our desired result. So just the other day, we got about five inches of fresh snow here. And I was riding a mule. Her name is Jojo. Um, she's fairly new to, to us. Um, so you probably haven't heard much about her. But she was obviously drawn to the gate. I was just riding out my arena. I love riding in fresh snow. It's one of my favorite things. So picture my big arena, brand new, five inches, fresh snow, ready to make some tracks. I love making tracks in fresh snow. And Jojo was clearly interested in the gate and going back to her friends, which is, which is funny because she's not particularly a, a herd bound mule, but in her, per, from her perspective, it's easier to go back to the gate and go back to her friends. Life is easier over there. And I'm out here in the arena and I'm making some tracks and I'm doing these maneuvers and I'm trying to ride. All right. I would like her to go where I want to go. I'd like her to be out there and easily be with me while I make these maneuvers or while I try to make these maneuvers. But she wants the gate. So instead of fighting through this and making her stay out there, which let's face the facts, the primitive side of you wants to make them stay out there. You want to make them go where you want them to go. You, and there's this weird industrial age perspective that says, oh, you can never let them win, which I think is one of the dumbest sayings I've ever heard in horsemanship because it's not a competition between me and the mule. It's not me versus them. We're on the same team. If you're trying to be a good mule leader, you need to make it easy to follow you. Make it easy to be with you. Make it easy to do the things you would like them to do. That's what a good mule leader does. A mule, a good mule leader does not force them to stay, does not force them to go. You just work them from where they're at. So all I did was fade back toward the gate. And when we got near the gate, I just started working on my checklist right there with this mule. I just started playing around right there. And I just started going through my moves. You know, the fir first thing I did, I, I did some figure eights, riding centered, went into rolling the hinds and returning, roll the hinds and roll the front, uh, basically continuing forward motion and working on my lateral movements right there by the gate. I did not stop or slow down near the gate. And I stayed there at the gate for seriously a good solid 10 minutes. Okay. I really made some tracks by the gate. 10 minutes might not sound like a lot to you, but when you're sitting there working 10 minutes, uh, con continually right there, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. It, it feels like a long time. And that's the problem that a lot of people run into is it feels like they've done something a long time, but when really they have not. Most people are doing the right thing. Most people do the right thing. They just don't do enough of it. So I'm pretty thorough. I stay there for a good 10 minutes of solid movement. Okay. You're going to get tired too. Your legs are going to be a little sore. Your legs are going to be uh, wanting a break. Okay. Because you're using your legs, you're using your seat, your rein, you're making these maneuvers, you're changing um, directions, and you're going from there. So 
after doing this for 10 minutes, basically I, I, I kind of put her in a position to where she's facing the middle of the arena. And I just let her fade that way at a walk. I'm not trying to get her to walk fast and I'm not kicking her to go along there. Basically, I just open up and let her walk out there. The first time she walks out, seriously, like 10 feet. And I make I made a video of this, and you can watch it on the video library, um, or you can watch it on our YouTube channel as well. If you get our newsletter, if you're subscribed to our newsletter, which I highly recommend, then you've probably already seen this video I'm talking about. But she seriously only went out there maybe 10, 15 foot. That's it. And she kind of stuttered to a stop briefly, not really totally coming to a complete stop. And then she kind of turned around. She goes back toward the gate. No problem. I just let her go back toward the gate. As soon as we get back down there around the gate, I just go back to work. Now, let me clarify and make sure that you understand that I am not punishing them by the gate. I'm not getting after them. I am not uh, being a jerk. I'm just doing my stuff. I'm just I'm just doing my regular movements that I was going to practice anyways. Moving the hinds, moving the front, picking up a soft feel at, at the walk, doing some figure eights, you know, some centered circles, some straight lines, some serpentines, uh, that kind of stuff. Everything except for stopping. So I'm not stopping by the gate. But I need to make sure that you understand that you're not being a jerk down there by the gate. And, and that's the... Sometimes when you say, make the right thing easy, wrong thing difficult, people really get stuck on, all right, well, I can make the wrong thing difficult. And I can really tear them up. No, that's that's not the point. You just need to make it a little bit more difficult to be there, a little bit more easier to be where you want them to be. It's just like the example of the shade tree. The mule's standing under, under the shade tree. It feels good. They're hiding from the sun's rays. As the time goes by, the edge of that shade gets closer and closer and closer until finally the sun's rays are touching the mule's skin. At that point, the mule says, oh, this is too hot. And they shift and get into the shade. Simple as that. So that's all we're trying to do here is make it easy to go. And for, for, for this case, I'm just trying to make it easier to go toward the middle of the arena. And this is priority for me at this time. See, a lot of people will continue to go through the boxing match out in the arena. They're like, well, you son of a gun, I'm going to make you. And they, they get into this gunfight out there in the middle of the arena and they battle through this. And they, the truth is they really don't make any progress in, you know, getting better at whatever they're trying to work on. And they really don't get them over being gate sour and, and herd bound and buddy sour. So, so it's kind of a lose lose. So for me, when this situation comes up, my mule is gate sour or acting that way. That is my new priority. I can continue working through the maneuvers that I wanted to engage in, as long as it's not a stopping maneuver. But I can continue working on that right down there by the gate. And then I allow the mule, I let them fade out. So the second time, she goes just a little bit further. And you can see that in the video. She goes a little further. All right, cool. And this time she stops, completely stops, and she hesitates for a little longer than the beginning, the first round. And I allow her 
to make the decision. See, I am big on free agency. I want my mules to choose. Yes, it is, you know, some might argue, well, it's not complete free agency because I do maybe manipulate the situation for sure. Just like I'm telling you, I am definitely making it easier to be out in the arena and I am making it more difficult to be near the gate. So I'm, I am manipulating that situation, no doubt. But the free agency part is I'm allowing the mule to choose. Hey, you can stay out here as long as you want. Life is good over here. Or you can make the choice, go back over there by the gate, and we're going to get to moving again. And while I'm working on this, because I did say, remember, it is priority that I fix up this situation right now, that if she stayed out there in the middle, I would let her sit there for a long time. I would allow her to sit there seriously 10, 15, 20 minutes, just sitting there. I'd have no problem with that. But that's not the case at first. So she turned around, round two, she goes back. We end up doing multiple rounds. And I believe, if I remember, it took me about six rounds. About the sixth time getting out to the, the middle of the arena, she totally just said, all right, I'm cool. I'll just chill right here. But the cool thing about this whole situation, how I'm trying to paint it for you, and I hope you're following along uh, with me here, is I, I am letting the mule make the choices. That's the key to following this principle. Make the right thing easy, wrong thing difficult, but let the mule choose. Let them pick. I'm not picking for them. As soon as you start picking for them, you're out. You, you, you've, you've messed up this application, how I'm presenting it to you. Okay? You, you need to let them choose. Let them go back and fail. You need to allow them to fail. In fact, I, you know, I've done talks in the past about failing fast. Fail fast. Let the mule choose. When you let the mule make the choices, there's some ownership that's involved in that. It's a different it's a different take on things. They think differently when you let them make choices. When you start interjecting and you start making them choose, it, it it's a different dynamic when you do that. And some people will say, "Well, geez, I'm in, I'm in charge." And they better listen to me. I feed them. Or uh, people will interject and say, I paid, I paid $20,000 for this meal. I paid thirty grand for this meal. They better listen to me. That's fine in our human world, but they don't work that way. They don't have any concept of respect like you and I do. You know, I'm a huge respecter of our military. I love our military. I'm very grateful for them for keeping us here in the U.S., um, keeping us free, giving us the liberty that we have so that I can do things like this podcast. I'm very grateful. But the inter- interesting thing about military is you are required to show respect for your higher-ranking officers. Even if you've never met them, you don't know who they are. They have not proven anything to you. They have not done anything to earn your respect but you're required to respect them because they're higher ranking, and we do. If you grew up the way I grew up, you are taught to respect your elders, somebody that's older than you. You respect them, right? 
doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter if you know them or if you don't. You just respect them. This is our culture, at least here in the U.S. This does not exist with your mules. Do not put human things and thinking and human tendencies and human behavior into your animal. Now, it's easy to anthropomorphize a lot of other things, and there are some things that are very similar. We have very similar nervous systems, right? I mean, pretty much pretty much the same to where, you know, and, and you've heard me talk about, uh, you know, this evidence-based horsemanship stuff that I study with Dr. Steve Peters and Martin Black, and we reference that a lot, and and I share it as much as I understand it. And there's a lot of similarities there. But when it comes to respect, I would love it if that word did not exist in the horsemanship and mulemanship world. It's easy to feel like you're in charge and they should listen to you just because you're in charge. At the end of the day, if I have a job to do, say I need to go gather those cows out there in that pasture, this is the mule I have. I am going to achieve it, I promise. I'm going to I'm going to get it done. I'm going to be able to go out there and I'm going to get those cows gathered up because it's my job and I'm going to be able to get it done. But it's how I go about doing that that might set me up for success or failure on round two. Maybe you could kind of force them. Maybe you could get after them and they, you go out there and you, you gather up the cattle and you bring them in. But how do they feel about it when you're done? These are things I care about more these days. How do they feel about it when you go to do the job again? Now, just because I'm in charge, you know, just because I'm in charge doesn't mean I can I can make them do things. And it doesn't give me that that right. I mean, maybe you can get it done. And, and there's lots of people that would argue, oh, yeah, Ty, I'll get it done. I'll make them do it. Okay, I understand that you can. But my point is, should you do it? Uh, a, a great quote that I heard from uh, a man named Dave Burke. He says, being in charge doesn't make you right. <laughs> and holy cow, that is so key. And you, you, you could apply that to mulemanship, to horsemanship. You could apply that to your own career. If you have employees, if you're a manager, basically, if you lead anything, anybody, it's, it's, you, you could apply that right there. Being in charge doesn't make you right. So just because I'm in charge of this situation, in the mule's mind, I'm saying, hey, I do not want you to be by the gate. I want you to be out there in the middle of the arena, and I might get after her, and I could have this big gunfight with that mule. But in the mule mind, it doesn't make me right. The mule says, Jesus, uh, man, it sure sounds... I think I'd rather, I'd really rather go back with my pals now because you have not made me feel any good being out here. So the key is, how does my mule feel when they achieve the result that I desired? How do they feel? They need to feel good. What does feel good mean? Does that mean you give them a treat? Does that mean you give them a pet? Not necessarily. Mostly it's just leave them alone and, and let them, let their own nervous system take care of the rewards. They have their own reward system in place. And really, if you just leave them alone, they'll find it and they'll feel pretty dang good about it. So that's 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 basically what I did with with this mule. And 
Something else that I really consider, you know, when I'm working with these animals is, and this is from my own perspective, because I am definitely a why guy. I'm sure I drove my dad and my mom crazy when I was a kid because I always asked why. And of course, parents, you know, they'll say, well, because I said so, right? <laughs> that doesn't work with the mule. If you can't answer your mule's question, which is why, then maybe don't do it, and that's okay. So if I can't give my mule a good reason to go over there and do that, maybe I shouldn't be doing it. So let's let's break this down a little bit. The why is, well, it truly is because I want to go over there. And, and I, I, I want to go over there because I want to use the whole arena. I want to utilize all the space I have, and I want to make tracks in that fresh snow. That's my why. But what's the mule's why? Their why should be because, hey, I'm going to feel good when I'm over there, and I want my mule to feel good through the movements. I want them to enjoy being with me, and they truly can. This is something that I know that people that don't get around, you know, mules and horses a lot, and they don't achieve this. I, I know that they probably don't understand what I'm what I'm saying here, but you know, your animal can absolutely enjoy being with you, and they enjoy going, they enjoy moving, and you can set it up so that they can feel that way. So. I need to help my mule understand the why. And that's exactly what I did with that mule Jojo being gate bound or gate sour, whatever you'd call it. I just basically made it easier to go out there. So every time she got further out in, into the arena, away from the gate, the better she felt. And I give her that time to, you know, self-regulate out there. I, I, I gave her that time to soak. I let her choose and I let her I let her body dictate when we go back to the gate or when we just leave her alone and let her stay out here. It, it was all her choice. And I try to apply this same principle to to everything I do. And I'm tr I'm trying to prove to every mule that I work that hey, I promise you if you follow my lead, if you stick with me here, if you go where I ask you to go, I promise you will feel good about it. And that gives me leadership capital. That, that gives me leadership points. That boosts that, you know, that desire to be with me because the mule will know, hey, you know what? Every time Ty asked me to go over here or do this or do that, I always feel good about it. Every interaction I have with my mule or my horse, I want them to leave that interaction desiring another interaction with me. I want them to feel that way. And it's the same way with people. I hope when I get to meet you, or maybe I've met you, I, I hope that if I've met you that you felt that way. If I haven't met you, I hope that when I do, that I will leave you desiring another interaction. You say, I hope I run into Ty again someday. And I want my mules to feel that way. And I'm not trying to be fluffy and mushy about it. I'm just being matter of fact. This can happen. If you do a good job, if you're effective in this leadership, your mule will desire more interactions with you. They'll get better to catch. 
they'll get better to lead. They'll be with you more. When you ride, they'll be more centered. When you ask them to do something, there'll be less resistance. And I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to build up that leadership capital all the time. I'm trying to build up those leadership points to where I have enough money in the bank, so to speak, that I could ask my mule to do anything and they'll do it. And you got to be, you got to be careful about this. Sometimes you have to look at what you're trying to do from a detached perspective and look at it from outside the box. And, you know, maybe you want to go up that mountain over there, but all your friends that you're riding with, they're staying down here in the bottom, but you want to go up on that hill, whatever. Okay. How much leadership capital is this going to cost you to get your mule to leave the herd and go clear up there on that mountain and really stretch that rubber band, especially if the mule's particularly herd bound? You got to think about this. Just a couple weeks ago, I was down in southern Utah riding with my family, and I was on a mule uh, that is actually one of the most herd-bound mules I've ever dealt with. Her name is Hannah. She's actually, I mean, one of my favorite mules at the same time. So this is a very lonely mule, but she's also one of my favorite mules. I love this mule. I can absolutely, if I wanted to, I know it, I could make her leave the herd and I could ride totally away. Goodbye, see ya. Is she going to feel good about it? No way. Is she going to be looking back hollering? Oh, yeah. Anyways, on this particular ride in southern Utah, I was hanging out in the back, which if you're dealing with a herd-bound animal, that's both the best and the worst place to work. It's a great place because you can definitely rate your distance. You can hang back a little bit until that rubber band gets a little tight, then you can catch up or you can... You know, on the other hand, you can get too far back to where that rubber hand, that rubber band, excuse me, that rubber band snaps. And now you've blown it. You've blown your leadership capital. And that's, I was on the edge of that. I, I realized that I put myself a little bit too far behind my family. And I, and I felt that mule stress getting up there. Now, no doubt I can handle it and I could you know, just get into this gunfight with her and, and fight through this. But that's not the point. Because if I do something like that, that is costing me my leadership capital. So I need to continue focusing on that number one principle, making the right thing easy. I had gotten so far out with this particular mule that it was no longer easy to be away from the herd. Stress overruled. Anxiety overruled. We had too much of both of that. And she says, I would much rather be with the herd. I'm too far away. And so now I have gotten so far out that I've messed up the situation. I'm, I'm making it hard to be out there and I'm not making it easy to be out there. The mule says, I'd rather go back with the herd. So you have to, you have to be careful and really consider when you're doing this, how much leadership capital that you want to spend. Because the problem was, if I put her in that situation too many times, if I if I put her in that situation where we're, we're far away from the herd and I do it too many times, it is not going to help me. It is going to cost me. The mule's going to get to where she says, you know what, Ty's ideas are really ain't that good. In fact, anytime I kind of go with Ty's ideas, I get stressed. I get worried. 
I don't want to do this. So you got to be very particular with that. Anyways, I hope you've uh, enjoyed this little chat today. It was on my mind, and I thought I would share it with you, and, and I hope you get something out of it. But whenever you're working on anything, before you get into those binds, before you get into that challenging situation, before you get into that gunfight, before you even ask them to do anything, it's a good idea if you take a step back, you try to see it from a detached perspective. And from that detached perspective, make a decision. How can I make what I want to, the mule to do the easiest thing? And make sure that you see it from their perspective. Try to see it from their view. Am I making it easy to do this thing? And don't forget, free agency is that principle's direct. I mean, that's it's its cousin. Okay, it's family. You got to make free agency happen um, in, in these decision-making processes. Make sure that you are implementing free agency. Make sure that that is occurring. Or else, making the right thing easy, wrong thing difficult won't be effective. So remember that. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. Uh, I would be so grateful if you'd be kind enough to leave a review. Let let me know how you like these podcasts. You can you can either leave it here on uh, if you're listening on Apple, leave a review there, or send me an email. Ty at tsmeals.com. Of course, you can find all our videos, our articles, our clinics all that kind of stuff on tsmules.com. Thanks for listening, you guys. God bless you, and we'll see you down the road.